This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. So it is a busy Saturday and now it's shaping up to be a busy Monday. They're all back in vogue, they are. So they're all back in vogue. Uh, what's going to be happening today? Let me speak to Tom Kelly. Tom, are, are you upbeat about all of this, Tom? You're a very relaxed sort of gentleman. <laughs> Morning, Frank. I, uh, I'm upbeat because you have got to give things a chance. We've been all talking for three years of saying that they need to get back to work. It's been a ridiculous situation where MLAs have been paid for work that they're not actually carrying out. The part of their job has been denied for three years, and therefore they're only doing half a job. So you've got to be optimistic. But I suppose like everything else, Frank, it comes down to where's the money. Uh, and how much, and the, the Treasury will have been working away as best they can to use sleight of hand and you know give us money that we were getting anyway and uh, top it up here and there and, and move around the baskets as such. So it'll be hard to nail it down, but uh, you know if you look at the figures that were being talked about by the various organisations like Northern Ireland Water, who say they need two and a half billion, uh, roads infrastructure needs uh, support, it takes a billion pounds to clear just the waiting lists on the hospitals. That's not new hospitals that clear the waiting list uh, it'll be interesting to see what Boris Johnson announces. So if he comes with a billion it could be lost in the blink of an eye the way you're talking? Absolutely. I mean, a billion wouldn't go anywhere near uh, the, the needs of Northern Ireland at this stage. We have fallen so so behind in real terms, in terms of funding for public services, that we actually need a substantial upgrade over a series of years. So if he was offering $2 billion today, he would have to be offering $2 billion next year and the year after. So it would be some degree of continuity and a safety net uh, in many ways for public services. It just doesn't scrape it uh, when you look at the actual figures. So who's got the most difficult job. You, you tend to think that Robin Swan as the health minister ha- is on mission impossible but the way you're talking, Conor Murphy finance might have the job that no one would want. Well I think finance is the tough ministry uh, in reality because Conor Murphy will only get whatever the British government give him and what the Irish government's contribution of what they're saying is 110 million, which mostly would go into the northwest. And he will then have to divide that up among the departments. And already health takes a whopping 50% of the entire budget in Northern Ireland. 
so it's a very, very difficult job to be in finance, uh, to sort of juggle the various balls and demands that are going on from the various ministries, because there are some seriously big asks out there uh, at the moment, and, and they're all kind of critical. Uh, there's not one more than the other. Uh, like I said, I mentioned the water one. I mean, on, on the news this morning, they were talking about, uh, you know, the difficulties of not having new housing developments because there's, uh, you know, no drains, no cranes uh, type argument. So it, it, it affects people's homes. So there's a lot of things out there that are priorities for people and, and they need to be cleared up. Will they eventually fall out, among other, over the lack of funding? We, we'll hear the mantra of Tory austerity and all of that, but will they, will they fall out among each other as far as those uh, various departments are concerned? I think it's inevitable that they will. I mean, the real test, Frank, will come in relation to, you know, can our parties move from campaigning political parties to governing political parties, making hard decisions, making choices. It's all right to stand in the picket lines when you don't ha- you don't hold office. It's all right to join every protest and to sign every uh, petition uh, that you know for, for support for a local lobby group. But when you're in there and you have to make decisions, I mean, what we don't want is to fall back into the trap where. Uh, in the previous assembly, uh, if, you were a, if you were a Sinn Féin member, you were attacking SDLP ministers. If you were an Ulster Unionist uh, assembly member, you were attacking DUP ministers. All of this is going to have to move on into some kind of mature politics. Scrutiny, yes. Tough scrutiny, definitely yes, from the committees. But, you know, not sort of uh, grandstanding and not sort of making points for the sake of points. Because they have only two years to prove themselves before the next election. And what the people have decided, because a lot of what has happened in the past uh, two or three weeks has come about through people power. People know how to punish political parties now, and I don't think they'll forget that in two years' time. What do you make of Leo Varadkar and the possibility of a snap general election in the Republic? And Fine Gael clearly saying that they wouldn't go into a coalition with Sinn Féin, yet and all he's arriving today to congratulate people for uh, being in the, the arrangement with Sinn Féin that exists here in Northern Ireland. I think it's totally hypocritical uh, for either Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael to be saying to uh, Sinn Féin that they can't be part of a coalition government in the South and then encourage them to come into a coalition government in the North. Um, uh, now, I know there's huge gaps in terms of the economic policies and the outlook of Sinn Féin and uh, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, but it's a hypocritical stance. It, it doesn't stack up, and it certainly won't stack up if the, if the numbers aren't there. Uh, I mean, the Taoiseach's going to, the, going to go to the polls allegedly this week, but if he does go, it's because his numbers have fallen through. A lot of the independents have started to move away from them. The sure-footedness that Fine Gael have shown on the economy after the collapse in uh, 2008, 2011 has actually now gone because they've got big projects down there which are you know, overrunning by tens and tens of millions, whether it's the hospital, whether it's broadband. The, the, the economic confidence that they once had uh, a high regard for just seems to have gone. Do you expect today to be quite celebratory up at Storm? It is one of these days that will be stage managed and everyone will have a smile on their face on the six o'clock tonight. Oh, I mean, it'll be the Chuckle Brothers all over. I mean, it's going to be, you know, uh, smiles, white grins, backslapping, uh, and a few reminders that, you know, all the hard work's ahead of them. But uh, by and large, it's a photo opportunity. Okay, uh, Tom, thank you very much indeed. A columnist and former political advisor, Tom Kelly. Alex Kane has been keeping a watchful eye, maybe a busy eye all over the weekend. Good morning, Alex. Morning, Frank. Are morning. you excited, Alex? 
<laughs> I'm rarely ever excited, right? But I, I, I'm quietly pleased, you know, because Tom touched upon it there. You know, we've been talking for the past three years that there's so much needs to be done in Northern Ireland and it best be done by, by Deval government, by people who live here, by people who see firsthand and experience firsthand what the priorities are in the schools and the health service and so on. So, yes, in that sense, if, if we now have an opportunity, and it is, that's the important thing to remember here, Frank, for all the difficulties we have right now, this is a huge opportunity for these parties, if they do it collectively, they do it together, to actually make a difference to 300,000 people on waiting lists, to make a difference to all those schools which are basically asking parents to give them toilet rolls and, and money for pens and things like that. If this executive actually thinks, right, let's prove to people that we are capable of doing something, there is a moment, Frank. So I, 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 in, in this sense, I don't often do upbeat, you know, sort of optimism, but I just hope, I just hope, Frank, because I have friends in hospital, I have children in this state or in the education system, I just hope that people stop having to stop me in, in streets and go, when are they ever going to get this done? When is this going to be done? They've now got the chance. That is a good thing. Who has the most difficult brief, in your opinion? Is it still Robin Swan or... Is it Conor Murphy? I think actually it's one of these collective things. Tom's right as well. I mean, Conor doesn't sit down there with a pot of 10 billion. He's basically, they're given a block grant and they have to work that out between them somehow. And what Boris Johnson will probably give today, he may actually come over and say, this is 1 billion for this. You know, you, you, the executive isn't, isn't going to get a choice now. You spend this. I'm telling you, this is where it goes. If it isn't going now, you're not getting it. So I think that takes some burden off his shoulders. But when you look at it, Frank, you know, they, uh, Tom says you could put a billion, a billion pounds into the, the health service at three o'clock this afternoon. That, it's gone. In the, quite literally in the blink of an eye, it is gone. Because even to service the waiting list, and I saw a figure last week, sometime you're talking about 700,000. And these figures, as you know, will always be accidentally or deliberately an underestimate. But that money will be swallowed up immediately. A schools budget, you know, hundreds of schools in Northern Some of them need structural funding because they have bits of their school falling apart. Some of, them, some of them just need, you know, role funding for the number of pupils they have and so on. Some of them just need certainty, Frank on what's happening with the, the transfer tests because that's still causing you ask most principals away from finance what their biggest problem is it's do they prepare children for the, the, the GL to the AQE do they prepare them at all you know where is the certainty all of that's in play all of that needs to be dealt with as well and that's why I say Frank it's key that it's a collective decision because one of the problems and I talked about it for years and it goes back to the 2007 in fact it goes back to 1999 the first executive that there was a tendency then for the, the parties to treat the department they got almost as an offshoot of the party. It was almost as an offshoot of the research and press office and, uh, and things like that. that they, it was basically, how do we use this department to the best advantage of our own party? That happened all the way through 2007 to 2016 as well, which is why the ministers were constantly fighting each other. The key this time is actually to decide, right, let's prioritise collectively what matters and if, if, if the priority is health and education, if those are the big three, which they probably are, but offshoots to of the economy too, then collectively all five parties have to go, right, let's start there. That may mean some of their pet projects will get put in hold for a couple of years. So be it, Frank. But if they start saying, oh, no, we need this or that, you need that, if we don't get that, we're not signing on, we will be back to square one within weeks, Frank. They have to realise what they signed up to was actually 
not to govern independently in an executive, but to govern collectively in the executive. And if they can get over that bridge immediately, then actually I think people would begin to take notice. Because you asked Tom earlier about, will people be excited? No, they won't. They will. There's no excitement at all. There's no sense. Nobody stopped you or me or anyone else in this game going, hurrah, this is great. Oh, I'm so glad they're back. Oh, this is wonderful. The general reaction was about bloody time. They've taken three years. Now, what are they going to do? If there's any sense, Frank, that this executive is starting to play party games again, I think there is no goodwill out there at the moment. This, it could crash, actually, because it's public opinion that kills it off rather than party disputes. That's how serious it is. Can they make life really difficult for Robin Swan and make him seem like a scapegoat for any further ills of the health service? Or do they have the substance to almost protect him and help him to restructure health? Well, they could if they wanted. Any minister can basically be held or hung up to dry by the other parties. And health is the easiest one to do. But health is the one that on the doorsteps parties were told about over and over again. All of them told me, every single party I talked to, and I talked to all of them during the election campaign. I, I followed some round constituencies and so on. And then we, we follow up, we talk to people on doorsteps as well. That was the issue that came up over and over and over again, Frank. So there is actually collective kudos for all the parties. If health seems to improve. If you've had someone who's waiting, already waiting two years on the waiting list, Frank, and gets a letter in three or four weeks' time saying that appointment has now been made for four weeks from today, that's a happy that's a happy person of waiting us, but also his wife, his children, his can all the interconnected families and so on. That's what it is. There's a lot of good will will flow if that health list begins to break down, if appointments are reached and made, if, if people get the treatment they've been waiting for. That's just so yeah, there is no there's no incentive whatsoever for well the, the temptation may be to blame the health service for taking all the money. It's one of those cases, Frank, when you were three hundred thousand people on the waiting list and add on another six hundred thousand people connected to those people, that's a million people who could not be cheered up but actually begin to think, Okay, okay, something's happening. Changes have been made, decisions have been taken. So, yeah, and also on the purely political point, which is worth making, which you always must do, if they really annoyed Robin Swan so much of the DUP, even to have a go with him and so on, and he said, stuff this, we're out of here. If the officials person, no, this is not what we signed up for. We, we have been taken for a ride. We've been getting the blame for everything. If he was to walk away under the hunt, the next person to get the pick at the ministry would be Sinn Féin. And whatever else the DUP may think, however annoyed they may be with the Ulster Unis, they do want them with another you know, Sinn Féin minister in place. So that, that will be at the back of their minds too. With regards to Leo Varadkar, he's got skin in the game as far as his future is concerned. He'll be looking to bask in the reflective glory and all of that. But um, is he taking a risk by calling an election if he does call one in the Republic? Well, I, I think that the election has been inevitable. I think Tom touched upon it as well. The numbers, he himself said it yesterday, the numbers are against him. I, I think he's striking hard and striking fast simply because he thinks this is a moment that, you know, his man has got it, Simon Coveney, they've done it, they've delivered it after three years. He's worked well with the British, which is a good thing as well. He said, look, we can work with it after Brexit, we can still work with these people. Uh, and he has, his big problem though is, <laughs> it's a problem for me, Holmartin as well, who, who, who's geared up for an election. If Sinn Féin managed to do better than expected simply because they will be able to point to the Northern Ireland Assembly and say, look, it took a while, we've had to make concessions and compromises, but we have proved that we can... Sinn Féin might do better. It might put both Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil in a very awkward position in, a, in maybe sometime in mid-February of having to decide whether they can run with um, 
Sinn Féin in a coalition government. And I'll tell you this, Frank, it's much easier for them to make that decision if Sinn Féin's already in a coalition government up here in Northern Ireland with the DUP. That makes it much easier for either Leo or Martin to just turn around and say, oh, well, OK, let's see what happens. Because So I think that's that's in play as well, which wasn't in play a week ago. And finally, Alex, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, will be here today as well. Will, will he be of the tone, well done, Julian, and then get back to England and say, let them get on with it? I think it's, well, it's one less problem. He, he may be surprised. He and, he and Smith were not boozing and buddies. They, they had fallouts big time over the Brexit, because you know, some of your listeners won't know that Smith was the, the, of A, a Remainer, B, close to Theresa May, and C, Chief Whip, and his job was constantly thwarted by the efforts of Boris Johnson and the ERG group. So the, the, there was bad blood between them. He's proved himself. Julian, whatever else people can say about him, he has proved. He said he would get this done. He's got it done. He's the sort of man that may not want to stay here. Once devolution's up and running, there's nothing for the Secretary of State to do. So Boris Johnson may find a way of rewarding him. But the other thing that's worth bearing in mind, again, Frank, having an executive up and running, having an assembly up and running, does give Boris Johnson a little bit more weight because if, if, if somehow, we don't know if definitely yet, but if somehow they manage to come up with some sort of collective approach, and they all, all the parties uh, have difficulties with his withdrawal agreement, but if the parties and the executive come up with some sort of collective approach to that, it makes it easier for them to talk to the Irish government together. It makes it easier for them to talk to the European Union negotiators together. That, oddly enough, makes it a little bit easier for Boris Johnson as well, because if he can say, look, this is what the parties and this is what the executive want, and I'm with them, I want to make sure that they get get what they want. Again, it may just take a little bit of pressure off him in, in the next few months of negotiation. Okay, Alex, thank you very much indeed. Political commentator Alex Kane here on U105. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.